We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. It's Tuesday, January 28th. Uh, James, we have a few things to get to, um, but of course, I think we are, are essentially obligated um, to, to start by talking about Kobe Bryant. And I feel that, um, you know, you and I are not going to do a, a half hour on what Kobe meant to us. I, I don't know if you ever met Kobe. I never met Kobe. I don't have any personal stories to share. Um, but this is in talking with a lot of people, you know, my parents, friends on Sunday, and even these last couple of days, I, th- I think we've determined that this is probably the most, at least for me, the most impactful athlete death um, of, of my kind of conscious lifetime. You know, I think the only one that really comes close is is Dale Earnhardt in terms of the overall impact. I think Kobe's probably on another level. Um, you know, I think it's, there's not a lot of intersection between Kobe fans and Dale Earnhardt fans, but I think in terms of what, um, you know, one athlete, means not only to this country but people around the world um it's pretty tough to match uh, the impact of kobe bryant yeah no i mean i think he was probably one of the 10 most recognizable human beings on the planet at the time of his death like that's i don't think yeah i, well, I was saying to shannon our our mutual coworker shannon yesterday even beyond athletes you know no, it's like I, how that's, many that's how many what, that's what i think has been this huge right like incorrect uh thing in in this whole reporting it's like it's touched all of sports like it's touched the it's touched probably i don't know a sixth of the entire world like my mom texted me asking how i was doing like my mom does not know anything about sports whatsoever it would take it it takes somebody on this level for her to even know what's going on and let alone reach out about it but yeah i I think you can count on probably one or two hands the number of people not just athletes right uh, who, you know, this situation could unfold for and for it to have this kind of impact. I mean, I think there are a handful of entertainers, maybe a handful of athletes, a handful of, you know, maybe political type of people, whatever, you know, however you want to define that. But uh, I, th- I think it was pretty clear, um, you know, within minutes of that of that report and, you know, the, the further confirmations coming out that, I mean, this this clearly transcended the NBA. Yeah, I mean, he, he was probably the the superstar of my my lifetime basically i mean i i from when i was old enough to like actually really understand the game like in in middle school like that's sort of when he came in 
to the league i have like a bunch of uh like i have a really big kobe bryant card collection uh from my early years i have uh, a lot of memories watching uh kobe bryant and the lakers in the playoffs with friends like freshman year college sophomore year college like just so many memories of yeah i was watching this game uh where kobe bryant was heavily involved and uh so i mean you know he wasn't my favorite player but i mean i probably saw more kobe Mm -hmm. bryant games than than any other nba superstar so um yeah i mean just a a huge monumental blow to the nba world in general and yeah really kind of a dark shadow on this this week and and kind of going forward yeah i think it's going to be well beyond this week i think i mean not that there would ever be a a good time but i mean the timing of this with um you know with lakers clippers obviously which had been postponed on tuesday you know the timing on on sunday with the lakers being in the air you know and and on their team playing at the time it happened you know there's just so much um you know for them to comprehend when they got back and you know who knows what the team has planned i'm sure it'll be something grand when they resume play later this week but i mean with the all-star game coming up in a a few weeks i think that's going to shift to just kind of one big kobe ceremony you know as it should be and and even as the rest of the season progresses you know I, i i think this obviously hangs over the lakers more so than the rest of the league um but i mean it's going to be something where we've already seen mark cuban come out and say that the mavs have, are going to retire number 24 no one else will ever wear it for them i, I think we'll see other franchises follow suit we might even see the league uh, end up doing something along those lines with with number eight or number 24 possibly both um but it's going to be it's going to be the overarching narrative i think of this entire season and it's it's going to be really interesting i think to to kind of frame the rest of the Lakers season in particular, obviously a team that, you know, before this was, was going to be in the mix after this will be in the mix, but you know, whether, whether this is something that ends up dragging them down, building them up, I, I don't know, but it's going to be, I think when we, when we look back at this NBA season, which is, you know, has a ton of storylines in its own right. I think this is going to be the the number one kind of defining thing that we think of for, for especially this year and probably heading into the, the rest of the decade. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this NBA season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. Choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or the under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points. You can win a share of the daily prize pool. Thrive has over $2,000 guaranteed each day in prizes for its NBA contests alone. Use promo code RW, that's the letter R and the letter W, when you sign up today, and you'll receive an instant match of up to $25 on your first deposit. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or the Google Play Store, or by visiting thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Anyway, I do. We we do want to get to a few other items. We'll we'll start with the All Star starters, which were announced last Thursday. No real surprises. I already talked about this a little bit with Alex last week. Embiid, Siakam, Giannis, Kemba, and Trey in the East. Kawhi, LeBron, AD, Doncic, and Harden in the West. Um, I think if there's any surprise, it's it's probably Trey Young um, getting a starting spot in the East. But then you look at who he's you know who was probably next in line, being Kyrie Irving, who I think at the time voting closed had played like 16 games so i mean in some ways you're kind of picking between the lesser of two evils you know a guy who has kind of seen his his public reputation wane um when he's on the floor over the last couple years in Kyrie, and then who's missed you know more than half of his team's games uh and then a guy who's on a team that has 10 wins and even though the numbers are great um we've obviously seen winning kind of affect all-star status in the past but um you know we'll, we'll get the full list of reserves on thursday um and then you know next week we'll maybe do a little mock draft um of, between team harden or team harden team Giannis, and team lebron um but overall thoughts on well, the starters i, I mean know. it's a pretty you know every year there's an example like this but i mean they mm-hmm. need to really just get rid of the whole front court guard yes. designation i mean jimmy butler should have been we're going on like year All-Star. six of this discussion yeah, yeah it should have been jimmy but i mean and it's not like putting Jimmy Butler at shooting guard is is complicating things positionally. So, uh, you know, who cares about the positions? Nobody just put, cares. Just put the five the five best guys in. Um, I'm really happy that Trey Young 
got in over Kyrie or yeah. over Derrick Rose uh, or well that's the Kyle thing I'm not happy Lowry, that so. Trey Young got in but I'm happy he got in all over <laughs> yeah, those guys yeah. he was the the best of a bunch of uh, kind of mediocre options but yeah Jimmy Butler probably should have been in uh, one way or another but uh, yeah that that's a something the NBA may address in later years I uh, am always you know the NBA's kind of got a lot of stuff that they are trying to tweak and trying to make better uh, with regards to the schedule, with regards to stuff like this, midseason tournaments, that type of thing. But uh, the one thing that I'm really happy they implemented a few years ago is that that draft aspect of the All-Star starters. Uh, it's it's something that I actually go out of my way to watch. Like I almost never watch the inside the NBA or any of those types of shows. But well, where I, do you get your NBA news? I do I do watch uh, the draft because it's uh, it's a good uh, TV show, and uh, yeah. So I, I think LeBron's going to have the first pick, and I just assumed when we were talking off air that he would take Anthony Davis, and then you you seem to think that maybe he would get cute and yeah. think hey anthony davis will probably be there with my second pick so maybe i could get uh, another guy in here first i don't i don't see him passing on his teammate and kind of doing the public hey like i'm not taking you i mean if it were not Giannis, i don't think he would even consider it but mm-hmm. Giannis probably isn't going to take ad so how do you see that <sighs> unfolding yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking at the draft results from last year, and LeBron had the first pick last year and took KD over Curry or over Kyrie, who ended up getting with the third pick. Um, so, I, I, no I mean, surprise there, though. No, no, not at all. I, I do think I think if there were odds on this, he would take Davis. Um, but I, I think there's a chance that, given how erratic Giannis has been with this draft, at least basing it off of last year when he took Chris Middleton with his first pick of the reserves. Um, I, I do think there's a chance that he could get Davis at three. Mm-hmm. And I, I think LeBron, you know, as a seasoned NBA all-star draft veteran, probably knows this. Uh, but the question then is, who would you take one? Like, I, I could see him wanting to play with Doncic. I think um, Doncic would be Giannis's first pick if he was there. Is, can we agree that Kemba is the easy last pick of the <laughs> starters? Uh, I mean, I can't, like, for me, yes, but, like, I can't get into Giannis's head. Like, I who knows like he could take Kemba like with his second pick I I he's a yeah. complete wild card <laughs> yeah that's true we, we, we're not dealing with a rational uh selector in Giannis um but yeah I mean it's there's really nowhere you can go wrong with especially those first couple I mean I think when you get down to Kemba and, and Trey Young maybe there's a bit of a drop-off but I don't I mean, really think either of them will want like there's something about Harden where I yeah. just I don't think anyone like really wants to be like he went yeah, seventh went, last year yeah. so he went after Kyrie Embiid Kawhi yeah. PG he he's just sort of like nobody really yeah. wants Harden on their team <laughs> do you do you buy that that LeBron wouldn't take Kawhi I think people are trying to I don't know if Kawhi's people are trying to make this into more of a rivalry I, I don't if uh, LeBron's never really had a true rival I guess it's maybe Steph was the closest thing and I, I feel like there's whoever's driving this narrative like people want LeBron versus Kawhi I to become more than it is I don't really buy that. I mean, I think... I think the Clippers... If anything, it might be a strategic move by him to take Kawhi just so that he doesn't have to match up with it right exactly just so there's not like a (laughs) one-on-one where the crowd stands up just so that he doesn't like get stopped by Kawhi (laughs) in the final minute of the game or something (laughs) that's that's why you should take Kawhi first and then just (laughs) sit him on the bench the entire game um so the draft is next Thursday uh we'll we'll discuss the results uh, of that uh, once it happens the the Lakers got smacked around on Saturday in Philly no Embiid no Josh Richardson um we even we even saw Zaire Smith for a couple minutes that's how that's how desperate Philly was um and the Lakers ended up kind of making that close in the fourth quarter but they were getting you know they were down 15 plus for 90 percent of the game and I I mean the Lakers are still leading the West by three and a half games they've been you know wire to wire so far indisputably the best team in the conference but when you look at a lot of these losses only one of them is to a sub 500 team I think that was Orlando a couple weeks ago which is great I mean you don't want to be losing to bad teams ever but it's a it's a little concerning when your losses are Philly, Boston, Indiana, Milwaukee, Denver, the Clippers, Dallas, Toronto, the Clippers again. You know, they then they do have some quality wins in that span. Um, so it's not like they're losing every time they play a good team, but it does seem kind of more often than not in these big national TV games that we get once or twice a week. They've had a couple of no shows, and this one with with how shorthanded Philly was, I thought was extra concerning. Yeah, I mean, you you're paying much 
closer attention. Yeah, to I was also Lakers sick on Saturday, so I was doing nothing and watching the whole than game. I am like I, I don't really. I'm not really tracking who they're beating or losing to on a night-to-night basis. I just assume they're going to get that's, to the Western Conference that's Finals. Why you have me. And, uh, they need to make a move. I think everyone knows that. Um, there's a lot of different options out there for them, but they also have a lot of complications that we've touched on ad nauseum on this podcast when it comes to trading. So, yeah, they're they're a flawed team. They're one of the best teams. I mean, there's we. I feel like we talk for mm-hmm. five minutes about the Lakers every podcast. Yep, we just do kind of a weekly check-in, um, <laughs> just kind of for my sanity's purposes. But, yeah, yet again, I think we all agree that they need to make a move. Um, and one of the guys who has been linked to them and pretty much every other team that's also looking to make a move, Bogdanovich, um, out in Sacramento. I, I asked you to come up with a few Bogdanovich trades, and I, I don't know what they are yet. You've you've told me that you were able to complete this task, mm-hmm. uh, so I'll, I'll let you lead it off with a couple. Well, how about I give you the uh, five teams that I came up with trades for, and you tell me uh, which team you want to hear first. So I have okay. I thought you were going to say you came up with a five team trade. No, first. no, no. Uh, <laughs> I have a I have a trade that would send them to the Lakers. I have a trade that would send them to the Bucks. I have a trade that would send them to the Mavs. I have a trade that would send him to the Pelicans, and I have a trade that would send him to the Heat. Okay. Um, I'm intrigued by all of these, almost equally, but I want to hear the Bucks one first because that's that's the team that comes to mind as, you know, what do they give up? Okay, so uh, first things first, I think Ursan Ilyasova pretty much has to be in it, and I'm not uh, sure that the Bucks would do that. Like, I'm, I think they are so concerned about chemistry right now and not messing things mm-hmm. up in that regard that, you know, I, I think Bogdanovich is a good chemistry guy. Like, I, I cannot picture them trading for either Marcus Morris or Derrick Rose uh, just because I, I sort of think that uh, there's a little bit of volatility there that might not uh, click, mm-hmm. whereas, like, Bogdanovich, I don't think they have to worry about that, but I think Ursan is sort of so kind of ingrained and like he's just so cool like like he's uh he has a real uh purpose on that team as just kind of the goofy guy that people like to have around and people like to just kind plow of into yeah, two or like, three times a game um so first of all would that like before i get to the exact package do you think the bucks would move or would willingly move ursan as the main salary in a Bogdanovich trade. I mean, it would. You obviously run the risk of derailing the entire team by getting rid of Ursan. Uh, but I think, I think in this scenario, they would do it. I think Bogdanovich is a good enough piece that you know you'd be willing to part with your superstar. It'd be one of those. It'd be one of those bittersweet days in Milwaukee where you know you're, you're giving up uh, heart and soul of the team, but you're, you're getting a a big piece <laughs> yeah, back. Have temple curtains would tear <laughs> the, the moment that that trade is processed. Uh, so the trade would basically be Ursan Ilyasova and the. Pacers mm-hmm. first round pick for Bogdanovich and it is worth noting in any trade whether it's Bogdanovich or some other mid-level I think Marvin Williams is a name you've thrown around like if, if you're going to get anybody who makes real money Ursan almost has to be involved mm-hmm. because after him it's rookie contracts and well, you minimum can't, contracts you're not going to do one where you're sending four guys that make two million back to no, the well, Kings because then there's roster complications on both yeah. sides. Like, well, and and a, a lot of those guys are contributing for Milwaukee right. too. I mean, they're getting they're going all the way down to their twelfth, you know, thirteenth guys in a, in a lot of nights. Well, but like you, I mean, you're not going to do like DJ Wilson, no. um, Dragon Bender, uh, Thanasis Antetokounmpo, and Kyle Korver. Mm-hmm. Like that, just I don't see it getting that big. No. Uh, so it, it does pretty much have to be Ursan. Yeah. I, I think I think you could get comparable pieces back on paper from other teams but i think if you're really concerned about chemistry which i think milwaukee is one of yeah i don't think every team given their position is is as concerned as milwaukee is but when you're 40 and six yeah right you have to be pretty careful with what yes. you do well just the way they play trade. too yeah. i mean like i said everybody contributes for this team like you don't you don't just have these bench guys who are well, and great in the locker room don't care they're not playing like all a lot of these guys are playing eight to 11 minutes on a lot and of part of the reason why i don't think guys like uh Marcus Morris or Derrick Rose would be fits is there's such a specific system that yep. the Bucks play on offense and defense and you don't really have time in season to integrate guys that yeah. are already playing a very different type of basketball like Marcus Morris is sort of a black hole and while he 
will help you uh, with some defensive matchups in the playoffs, you know, he could end up being a negative to your offense because he just hasn't been yeah. ingrained in that system. I, I would say at the end of the day, the Miritich trade last year ended up being a failure. I mean, I think a lot of it was just Miritich really wasn't that good when they needed him. Right. But he he came in, I think he got hurt for a while at the end of the regular season and just never, like you said, never really got to get integrated and by the time they really needed him in the playoffs, he just wasn't there. Yeah, there's a comfort a level that they have with all these guys where, yeah, you, you have to be yeah. very careful about who you're adding in. Uh, so that's that's the Bucks. Well, I, I have one more question on this. What if the Kings are, are pressing them and saying, okay, this first-round pick is great. We'll allow you to throw some protections on it, maybe pull it completely – you have to give us DiVincenzo. Like how how untouchable is DiVincenzo in a, in a trade for a guy like Bogdanovich? I don't think they would do it because okay. of the contractual factors next year. Uh, I mean, you're you're basically committing to matching. Like I I love Bogdanovich. I think that he would be a great sort of uh, nucleus piece for them. Uh, they would theoretically sign him in restricted free agency. But you're, that's pretty much your team, and you would have to unload some stuff to stay under the luxury tax if you didn't want to pay it. Uh, DiVincenzo has really blossomed this year. They might think that he is, there's maybe even another level there, and he makes just so much less than Bogdanovich. I mean, I, I think it's close. It's a, it's one where mm-hmm. the Kings should definitely ask for that. I don't really see the Bucks doing Ursan and Vincenzo for a guy who's been banged up for uh, mm-hmm. a chunk of the year. You know, I think that 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 might just be and that first round pick. I think that might just yeah. be a little too much. Yeah, I think I think you go one or the other with the pick. But I, when it comes to Vincenzo, like he's not untouchable. You know, like you would trade him just like just like ninety nine percent of players in the league for the right package. I think Bogdanovich is just like a tick lower. Like you need to get a, a better caliber. If, if, like if you're trading for Brad Beal, you'll happily yeah, throw yeah. Vincenzo in there. If they didn't have the first round pick, yeah. he'd be extremely expendable. But I think it's like having that pick, it's kind of like, I think those two assets, if I'm another team, I'm probably looking at them about the same because at least with the pick, I can be like, well, I get to pick my guy. You know, and, and I agree. there's that factor. I think DiVincenzo is better than the vast majority of guys that are going to be on the board theoretically at that mm-hmm. pick but um yeah i just think when you have the pick and even chenzo the the thing is you you the thought is you're just like hey we have the pick like you don't get even chenzo too yeah it's not, i mean that pick's going to fall kind of right in the range where they got even chenzo too you mm-hmm. know it'll probably be in that Late teens. Six, yeah 16 to 21 type of range so i mean and honestly, I mean, DiVincenzo, we've, we've seen better players come out of that range, but DiVincenzo is about as good of an outcome as you're mm-hmm. going to get, especially, with, I mean, the Bucks have been terrible picking in that range in other recent years. I mean, I think that's where um, who, Rashad Vaughn, I think, was right at that kind of spot. So, I mean, it can go both ways, and I, I, I'm with you. I, I think Bogdanovich is just not quite uh, enough of a guy that you're willing to, to part with a really cheap, you know, great defender and, and kind of 3 and D guard in, in DiVincenzo. A new app called No House Advantage is taking a different spin on fantasy sports. This platform offers daily player prop contests for cash prizes. Here's how it works. First, download the No House Advantage app and choose a contest. Then, select the over or the under for the six player props listed. The last step is to rank those picks based on your confidence in it being correct. The higher you rank a pick, the more points you earn when it's correct. The goal is to earn more points than the other users competing in the contest. This is an awesome new fantasy sports platform that's leveling the playing field and making it easier to win than on the traditional fantasy sports apps. Sign up now and you can receive up to a $20 match on your first deposit. Visit nohouseadvantage.com or find the app in the iTunes App Store or on the Google Play Store. All right, can you give me the... Let's go to the Pelicans next. Okay, Uh, the Pelicans one is just Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Darius Miller. Um, really high on Alexander Walker. Well, like you're sort of seeing if the Kings are high on Alexander Walker. I mean, sure. before the season, I think this would have been a trade where everyone would be like, "Oh yeah, that'd be that'd be a heck of a heck yeah. of a get for an expiring player like Bogdanovich." And basically, up until Alexander Walker played, <laughs> he was. I mean, I remember on opening night, like he, they threw him out there for like fifteen twenty mm-hmm. minutes, and he immediately took three shots as soon as he got the ball on his first three touches in the NBA. 
ever since then, he's kind of, I mean, they've had all these injuries and he's still kind of failed to, to break in. I, I think that's an easy no okay. from Sacramento. I, I think they would clearly ask for more. But, I, I mean, that's, that's a starting point, I guess, if you're in New Orleans. Well, I think that that's the type of trade that, like, I don't see the Pelicans putting more on the table. I'm sure that they still like him. I, th- I think they they should still like yeah. Alexander Walker plenty. They are not going to win the finals this year. They well, we don't, we don't know might, that. you know, having another guy that they have to lock up in the offseason is yep. probably something that's not appealing to them. But if you do this trade, then you can probably live with yourself even if it ends up just being a rental. Mm-hmm. But I, I, that, that, that was the one I thought of for them. Okay, so I, th- I think the overarching question we have to ask about the Kings is like what what is their goal? Like what type of player asset are you getting back? Are they delusional enough that after winning last night, I think they're, what, seven, five, eh, only five games out of the eight. Like do they want a piece that they can try to push for that eight and get out well, of this mess of teams or is it more future-oriented? Uh I mean, I think every team in their position, except for maybe the Kings, would be thinking right. future-oriented. Uh, you know, I mean, these these are the Bucks trade. Obviously, wouldn't really help them much this year. Uh, the Pelicans one, yep. um, they would give Alexander Walker theoretically a decent amount of minutes down the stretch yeah. and just sort of see what they had. And uh, some of these would would actually keep them in a pretty solid spot. Yeah. But, I don't. Uh, I don't hate the Alexander Walker one because you're basically resetting Bogdanovich and saying like all right we'll check in on Alexander Walker in three years and there's a chance we like him just as much as Bogdanovich there's a chance you know we end up trading Bogdanovich for a guy that we don't like but at the end of the day we were going to let this guy walk anyway Mm -hmm. Um, which one do you want to hear next Dallas all right so this one is Seth Curry who is making I think seven million a year for four years so you get Seth Seth Curry under contract uh, going forward mm-hmm. as a shooter off the bench, and you get uh, Dallas's 2022 first rounder. 2022 first rounder and Seth Curry. I don't hate that. I, Seth Curry seems like a guy that the Kings would probably overvalue, right? Because his last name's Curry, exactly. And I mean, he he has played for them before. He shot 45 percent from three over a half a season. In 2015-16. Reasonable contract. Yeah, very reasonable contract. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Dallas would do this in a heartbeat. I don't think they would think twice about it. Yeah, I think it's one that makes some sense for both teams. You know, in in theory, if you're Dallas, by 2022, that's going to be a late 20s pick, uh, yeah. mid-20s. I mean, you're, you have Luca. I think you're in the zone where you're not – you're no longer depending on draft picks. Right, and I think Bogdanovich, they – easily bring back and then that's just a piece that you kind of go forward with that that's maybe your third piece like with this Porzingis uh, Doncic core and uh, you know Bogdanovich is a better defender I think that a lot of people give him credit for at least a more versatile defender like he he can uh, cover up some spots on the perimeter better defender than Curry better defender than Tim Hardaway guys like that so his spacing, I think, mm-hmm. with Porzingis' spacing, I think it would be a really nice fit. Um, I think he would be kind of an ideal second-slash-third guy, probably third guy. I mean, I, I, I'm personally of the belief that Porzingis is pretty overrated, but I think yeah. he's still the clear number two. Well, and he would be – Bogdanovich would be a very nice uh, – you know, have him on the court whenever Doncic isn't on the court to sort of run the offense. Like, he's mm-hmm. an up, obvious upgrade over Jalen Brunson. You're right, and I would imagine – Luca would welcome that. I, yeah. I don't. I don't know what kind of relationship he has with Bogdanovich, but I'm sure he's probably more familiar with him than he is with 98 percent of other guys in the league mm-hmm. at this point in his life. I, li- I like that one a lot. I'm, I. It's just so hard when you're talking about a like an just an unreliable GM in Sacramento. Where like <laughs> to me that I st- like I still would say no if I'm the Kings. Like Seth Curry in a the 28th pick in three years. Like to me that that's not enough, but. It's the Kings that, like, for all we know, that could be a, like an overpay. Like, they might, they might mm. say yes to that right away. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. If you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. Feeling hungry? Check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. And get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. 
and you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card, get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cash back, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Uh, so we're down to the Lakers and the Heat. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to the Heat. All right. Uh... Justice Winslow and Derek Jones Jr. for Bogdanovich and Harry Giles. Ooh. So they've been playing Derek Jones a lot this year. Much more like in years past, he's just kind of been a dunker who, when they have injuries, he'll play. And I mean, he's been 20 minutes a night on, you know, for, for long stretches. Winslow, I mean, I, I, he's one of those guys I feel like no team wants to give up on because he has those flashes every now and then. But, I mean, it's getting to the point where, like, I, it wouldn't shock me if he just, like, doesn't play again this year with yeah. the back problems he's had. He came back, played, like, a game and a half, immediately got hurt again. He's been – he's had other injuries before this. I, I don't hate that. I mean, you, I think you'd – you wouldn't feel – you'd never feel good about getting rid of Winslow, but I think taking the more sure thing in Bogdanovich um, – yeah, I like that one. I like. I think that's that's probably the most fair for both sides of all these so far. I think Winslow fits really well with what the Kings because he could start at the three. You could start mm-hmm. Barnes at the four and Bagley at the five theoretically if you were smart and doing like a, a normal lineup. Uh, because I think the one like the the Kings have like backcourt and center sort of spoken for and they're mm-hmm. just having a hard time getting the three and four pieces to kind of make sense so i yep. think winslow would maybe help there i think there there's a case to be made that maybe they want to dump like Dwayne deadman on some of these teams oh, sure they'd love so to, I, yeah. I think yeah i mean a lot of the deals we're throwing out are like pretty you know one for one mm-hmm. or one for two type of deals I, I think it could get a little messier trying to trying to get rid of him i mean when you i mean Corey joseph i think is kind of in the same boat that was that was one of those, like, as soon as you saw the alert, like, this is a terrible contract. It well, looks just as bad now as it did then. If I, if it, if the Mavs hadn't traded for uh, Willie Colley Stein, I think unloading Deadman on them uh, might make mm-hmm. some sense. But um, it's just, I mean, unloading is even like maybe putting it lightly with them. Like, this is not like an expiring, <laughs> I mean, this is right. in the modern NBA, it's, this is like a pretty bad contract. The, it's it's so much easier, obviously, to come up with the ones that don't involve mm-hmm. them dumping a bad contract because it's hard <laughs> enough to come up with the salary just to get to Bogdanovich's yeah. eight mil. You know, like when when you add in, yep. like I got to match twenty mil. Like that's mm-hmm. not many teams can can pull that off. Yep. Okay, give me your Lakers trade. So Quinn Cook, Kyle Kuzma, and a twenty twenty three second rounder. And you you must have had to hunt through to find which which picks they're available <laughs> to give. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Kuz has to be involved, right? Mm-hmm. I I know he's had a few decent games lately. I I was beside myself watching him Saturday. His basketball IQ at times in that game was unbelievably low. And I, I think LeBron there were there were a couple of like the quintessential LeBron head shake, look at the bench, <laughs> walk back on defense after Kuzma misses him wide open under the hoop, like I. I don't. LeBron will never say it publicly. I think he's kind of gotten better at, at that over the years. But I he's think, de- the the front office definitely has the green light. Yes, to, uh, to ship Kuzma. Exactly. Down. I don't think they need to run that one by LeBron. Um, I'm not saying he like hates Kuzma or anything. I just think he's well. They they have they, like their title or bust this year. Yes, right? and exactly. so as and, always, and he just cannot be on the floor in their closing lineups Bogdanovich could he's just be. too streaky like he's not a bad player I don't I I think Kuzma is pretty good he's just not he's not ready right now for what also, the Lakers are trying to do but also if you were ranking teams he fits best on the Lakers would probably be like bottom yeah 10 oh, bottom of course. five I mean he just he should they, be lighting it up for their two like, best players either fit best at power forward yeah. or want to play power forward and he fits best at power it. forward. Kuzma was born to be what like Eric Pascal has been for the Warriors this year. Sure. Like just having huge games, you know, you lose he by did, 20, but he's Kuzma got 35. Kuzma would be having a great year yes. for the Wizards. Like <laughs> Exactly. I couldn't agree more. He he should be doing he should fill the Kelly Oubre role from last year. Um but yeah, he's just he's one of those guys that you could see getting to the West Finals and he has like 26 in game 6 and then goes like one for 8 
in game seven you know i just i feel like that's coming if he stays on the roster i couldn't see him going for 26 in games i think he's gonna he oh, well, every time i'm like really or not just me everybody's down on him he has a huge game like, he was well, awesome when they i just don't think you could give him enough minutes in a west finals for that to happen like, i just like he just can't like but when the other option is can't. when the other option is like avery bradley or rondo or dudley like they just he's on this team he's like built to be the third guy well we know that they need to make a move yes but even if they didn't make a move we would be talking about a very right. slim rotation you know i think guys like dudley guys like uh, uh whoever you mentioned other than uh, bradley um rondo rondo like i don't really see those guys in their western conference finals rotation like ideally no but you're, you you run out of names really quick you know it's like davis LeBron, Danny Green, who else? Well, you got to have five KCP, I, mean, I guess. The, I think that they'd still keep the two centers in like a 15 to 20 minute type of thing. Uh, Cousins KCP, says he's coming back. <laughs> KCP, Bradley, Caruso. Like I think those guys are are playoff rotation caliber, like not 30 minutes in a right. playoff in a playoff game caliber, but like those guys could all be out there without just being absolute right. liabilities i think that's minimizing liabilities is their main focus and I, I think at the end of the day the lakers are going to have to take a like 70 cents on the dollar deal for kuzma and that's probably better than the alternative of well, keeping him for so this year. when he gets traded no matter what it's for i'll probably think that they got too much back <laughs> lakers fans will probably think they didn't get enough back like there's just yep. the, i'll be somewhere in the middle the range of people's valuations on kuzma there's just going to be all kinds of reactions yeah. to whatever the deal is like I, to me getting anyone that could help this year would mm-hmm. not be selling low on him but i agree um i, I assume people have I, I think the time has passed where we think kuzma is going to be a potential like star star you know like could he end up being i think kelly Oubre, like i mentioned i think the kelly Oubre track is like realistic you know but like kelly Oubre's not making an all-star game no but so I, mean, I don't think i don't think we'll look back if they trade him for marvin williams and whoever I don't think we'll look back and say, like, can you believe that they traded Kuzma? I think we're I, doing that with Ingram maybe more than Kuzma. Yeah, I think that would I think Marvin Williams would be mm-hmm. a great get for the Lakers. <laughs> that's that's what that's what point we've reached. <laughs> I, I did throw one together. I, I also had uh to the Mavs for Jalen Brunson and the Courtney Lee expiring plus a pick. I mean I I think you would if you're the Mavs and, and that deal is on the table, I think you say take your pick between Curry and Brunson, whatever. I mean, one of those two. You right. can you can make the contract work better, I guess, with Curry, whereas with Brunson, you have to throw that expiring in. Um what about to Orlando for uh, Aaron Gordon? And then you're also dumping the Deadman expiring on the Magic. So you can do you can do Deadman and Bogdanovich straight up for Gordon, and that works. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, Aaron Gordon on the mat or on the Kings, and Dwayne Deadman on the Magic are just like the exact opposite of what they need you know running out aaron gordon alongside harrison barnes the aaron gordon harrison barnes marvin Marvin bagley Bagley. (laughs) here are our power forward raid that's part of why i like this it doesn't make any sense and i think for both teams that's why they do it uh the magic already have three backup centers yeah so i think that's interesting you know i think the aaron gordon He's only 23. Like that that stuff is kind of kind of ran its course, you know. I don't think there's a long list of people that still think Aaron Gordon's going to turn himself into this this good player. Um, He's taken a step back this year even from last year, which was a step back from the previous year. Yeah. Um so I I think the Magic should probably be looking to unload him and maybe sooner than later. It just just feels very Sacramento. The Deadman part really sucks because, but I mean, what are you going to do with that cap space right. anyway? I mean, it's it's a better contract money wise than what you're paying Gordon, I guess, who's shooting twenty eight percent from three this year. Bogdanovich would be like a Bogdanovich Fultz backcourt going forward would yeah. be really really interesting. So I, I think it makes sense. Like I, I actually think I like Bogdanovich more than Gordon going forward. So yeah. I think that it makes some sense. I, I can't imagine. I mean, that's a creative one. I, that one might even be too creative for, for those two genius organizations to come up with by themselves. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Sacramento is like aware that they can trade multiple players in one deal. Um, this is not a 
Bogdanovich trade, but I was I was just thinking about this when I was looking at at the the site that we used to to come up with these trades. Just hear me out on this. This is going to sound really dumb, probably for both sides. If you're the Jazz, would you trade? Just cut bait on Mike Conley. It hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. He's been terrible. He's coming off the bench. He's not really giving you anything. He had five turnovers in like 20 mm-hmm. minutes last night. Would you trade him to Minnesota for Andrew Wiggins? Um. No, because the Wiggins contract is worse. Yes, and, two more years. And the, you know, you could still talk yourself into Conley getting right in time to help you in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I don't know I how you could talk yourself into Andrew Wiggins helping you in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think it would just be, all right, we're, we're, you're not starting. You're coming off the bench, and we're hoping we're go- we can We're going just... to fix you. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, we... I mean, you're, you're admitting defeat on Conley, which a lot of teams aren't willing to do. And I, don't, I, I agree with you. I don't think the Jazz would do this, but something to consider. I mean, a, a place where he could go and would almost have to play big minutes off the bench and you just kind of let him go and hope he doesn't mess up your real starting five. And I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think the Jazz are in any place to do this. I mean, they've won like 18 out of their last 20. Uh-huh. Like they don't, I don't think they're in a desperation situation, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't hate Wiggins. Probably, I mean, the question then becomes like, would he accept that role? That creates a whole different set of issues. I wonder if I wonder if the Timberwolves ever thought about shopping him when he was when he had that like really two good two weeks earlier in the year because yeah. that was his value was at all time high. That would have been a like a genius type of like fantasy trade to pull off. Like, ooh, hey, like who who wants Wiggins? And but somebody would have been. I'm bet. sure that internally they were like, oh man. Is he finally becoming good? <laughs> <laughs> He's finally making good on that promise to the owner that he would become good. And what I mean, what team realistically at that time, like what kind of offer are we talking? Like, I mean, an Aaron Gordon type of thing? It almost has to be a my problem for your problem player with Wiggins at this point. Yeah. I'm, uh, it's got to be kind of one of those teams in that range of – like definitely not contending but i'm I'm looking at the Cavs for kevin love (laughs) um man i think that trade should be forced to happen i think the commissioner's office should make that trade have to happen just as sort of like uh here's what you two teams get like for Mm -hmm. for being a laughing stock all year now (laughs) i would be totally down for like an end of year ceremony where the commissioner hands out punishment to teams (laughs) like like the kings and the knicks yeah. Also, I just want to quickly complain about Darius Garland sitting tonight. Sure. For hey, rest. He's, he's resting for rest. What back is to, going back to back. on? What, what is going on? It's a back to back. Yeah, I thought that was pretty great too. They they didn't even announce it. They just listed him as out on the injury report. Not even an announcement from the actual team. I mean, give me an injury or something. Just make something up. Rest. He's been he's been going hard, man. He had six <laughs> points last night. Uh, okay, a couple a couple quick news items, then we'll we'll keep this one short. Um, I was doing a little bit of writing just about Zion today for for the site, and you know nothing too crazy. He's played sixty seven total minutes. It's it's still pretty early, um, but it's it's also pretty clear that the the field goal percentage, I think, is going to translate. Mm-hmm. Which it seemed insane that it translated to Duke, and then it seemed crazier that it translated to preseason. And yet here we are, and through three games, I mean, he's looked pretty rusty. I thought, especially on offense, he. I watched that full game on Sunday, and part of the reason he had double-digit rebounds was he missed like four bunnies in a row and kept getting his own rebound. And I mean, even that's driving down his field goal percentage, and he's still in the mid sixties. Um, they played him exclusively at center and power forward so far, as you'd expect. More more power forward the last two games. He was all center his first game, um, but he he pretty much once he's up there minutes wise, and he played twenty seven the other night. He's, he's going to settle into probably the twenty seven to thirty range, I would think. It looks like he's basically just going to be like. 20 11 two or three assists maybe a block maybe a steal probably not going to give you much from three he's zero of two in his last two games after that crazy run to start he's been terrible at the free throw line he's at like 35 percent um but I, I even though we only have 67 minutes like it, it does feel like it's pretty projectable for the rest of this year at least yeah absolutely you know i think one of the one of his really unique skills is uh the quick finish that's not necessarily a dunk like alley-oops where he has to like quickly like adjust the ball yep. and even just going up over guys yeah i mean he he's just 
I know you said he missed a couple bunnies the other night, but just his uh, finishing around the rim is is already pretty yep. elite. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how many three-pointers he takes per right. game over the full season because that will mm-hmm. impact his uh, field goal percentage. But, I mean, the free throw percentage, it's all it's all just interesting. He's, he's awesome in very unique ways, yep. and he's got some – some stuff to work on but yeah i mean it's 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 been fun yeah the finishing I've, I've always said that's an elite skill after watching tristan thompson for all those years like you don't you can't take it for granted that your big men or are just are just going to finish the the baskets that they should well in hands too yes yeah, i mean hands. i'm sure that tristan JaVale thompson's best skill JaVale <laughs> mcgee is an insane finisher around the rim like he finishes shots that tristan thompson would never finish and zion at six seven being able to do that is i was nuts. i was watching uh like Bismack Biombo has oh been noted for years of having the worst hands in the league. And, and I was watching a little bit of why? a little bit of them the other night. I don't even know why, man. Like you, had, I, you must I, have to go out of your way to seek this out. I do not have a good reason. Uh, they were on. I don't remember if I was like out somewhere. And Maybe it was, it was the MLK on. game. Maybe. Oh, so. no. They're playing the Bucks in in Paris. Is that? Oh, yeah, it okay. was. Like, it was. Okay, that's okay. a <laughs> legit explanation. All right. Now I remember. Yeah, <laughs> it's it like was. They wouldn't just be on. No, <laughs> no. I was, but I was watching B- Biombo and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> was, how are his hands so bad? Yeah. I mean, Zion's the opposite of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, other interesting thing I noticed. So Brandon Ingram has been, since Zion came back, not as good. He's had, I think like seven non 20 point games this entire year. And two of them have come in the last two games. He's had um, two of his three lowest single game usage rates have come in the last three games since Zion came back Uh, I think that was always expected you know I I think part of the reason that he had been so good was the Zion absence but uh, it does look like I mean obviously Ingram is probably going to be an all-star and he's he's still going to be a good player the rest of the way but I I think the level that he was at these first 45 games probably drops off a little bit yeah it's uh you know I, I thought coming into the year that those two would be an awful fit together but I didn't expect Ingram to be able to shoot like he did before Zion came back from three. And so, you know, I was open to maybe being wrong about that. Uh, why exactly do you think they just do not seem to fit that well? Because, like, to me it was just going to be like, well, if neither of them can shoot and they play uh, the three and the four, mm-hmm. then you're just kind of screwed offensively. But if – I mean, is Ingram – is he missing a bunch of threes over this stretch? Like, I, I don't see why I don't Zion know. coming back would impact Ingram's ability to hit threes. It might just impact his overall offensive engagement. Yeah, I think that's the bigger thing. I mean, he he took 22 shots in Zion's debut. He was terrible in that game, just missed a lot of shots that he's been making this year. So I didn't think much of it. But, yeah, I mean, the usage rate being down significantly the last two games, well, I, I guess, is a little bit concerning. So what do you – I mean, they have to basically – I mean, they're – gonna have to max him yes and so what level of trepidation is there with giving him that max if things don't necessarily get better yeah well that's i mean the nice thing is you have another 30 30 35 games to see how this goes but i don't know i mean unless he like completely drops off a cliff and averages like 15 points a game the rest of the year i don't think you're that concerned i mean i feel like he showed enough that you would think as both these guys grow it'll be fine but yeah i mean it's it's definitely a little concerning because zion hasn't even been out there that much and it's it seems like it's really affected ingram like dramatically just in those three games um i don't have much to say about this but oladipo back tomorrow um it's gonna be on a minutes limit at least through the all-star breaks i think that's eight games they have a back-to-back in there so he'll probably play seven games maybe 15 to 20 minutes um but what's interesting about that is like all of their guards this year were not on the team last year so he's coming back to a team that has lamb warren brogdon mcconnell none of those guys were there last year um i think physically that that's clearly the biggest question mark for Vrola depot but even if he comes back 100 percent, like the fit might take a little bit of time with them yeah i think that'll be they'll definitely take a bit of adjusting mm-hmm. uh brogdon and oladipo together specifically i think is going to be something that's going to be interesting to watch because brogdon clearly was thriving in that sort of lead ball handler role and you know he's not gonna necessarily feel like he needs to take a step back so it's exactly it's uh something to keep an eye on all right last thing can we cross off the timberwolves oh yeah seven and a half back (laughs) did you see what happened last night uh no but 
arguably statistically the worst blown lead in NBA history. Oh. <laughs> they were one. It was like I don't even know what the number is. Like I think they were up by 17 with 2:49 to go and lost the game. Only team ever to do okay, that. Okay, man, I can't I wait think, to watch these highlights. Yes, yeah, so it was something like teams are 0 in like 8100 since <laughs> 1996 or whenever these stats started trailing by at least 17 with under three minutes to go and the kings found a way deer and fox executed the perfect throw the ball off the rim get your own rebound lay it up with like four seconds left to Good. tie it and send it in overtime yeah uh shabazz napier called it the lowest point <laughs> lowest point possible i think was the exact quote so that's they, they, now starting point guard shabazz napier it's uh i mean timberwolves basketball is yep uh sort of an unsung disaster of a pro sports Mm -hmm. situation i mean like the the browns always get a lot of credit for this in in the nfl uh you know there's a lot of joke baseball teams but uh the timberwolves are just even when they get the gift of carl anthony towns Mm -hmm. with the number one overall pick things have just kind of about as about as poorly as they possibly yeah. could have gotten I don't, know, I don't know if i said this to you or someone else in the office like they are no closer now to contending for title than they've been at any point in the last 15 years since no. kg left no not, at, not they're at no all. closer no, i mean like the closest they were was the off season uh was it like three off seasons ago now where they had uh towns wiggins jimmy butler and and, and they got the eight t- seed thibodeau i think it was it was it his first year yep. maybe well that and was the year they they played the play-in game to to get yeah. the eight and then lose i remember thinking i remember taking the over on them at like some really stupid win total like, like 49 50 yeah, wins yeah. something like that i think that. it was like 49 yeah and that just became very clear early that season that that was a, a horrible over to, to bet and i think that that team was good though they won 47 games butler got hurt i remember i think that cost them a lot i mean that just sort of t- tells you how good jimmy butler true is. i mean the fact that he took this this group of jokers to to 40 the over under that wins. year was 48 and a half yeah, yeah. They, got, they got to 47 i don't know it could, it could have been worse and they were the 27th best defense with that crew uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. I think we're willing to cross them off. Official. <laughs> I, think, I think we can cross them off. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.